Let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. What's up, guys? Coach Krista back for episode 14 of The Fix, featuring today's special guest, my good friend, an amazing woman, and an incredible role model to so many, Tracy Croner. Naturally, like so many of the other people I've had on the show, I met Tracy through the fitness industry. She currently lives in Charlotte, where she spent the past six years as the area's regional marketing manager for Orange Theory Fitness. For anybody listening who's not familiar with Orange Theory, The company is a franchise boutique fitness concept that has literally exploded across the globe over the course of the last decade since its inception around 2010. The brand found its niche in the boutique space by doing two things, blending science and technology with group coaching. When you walk into an Orange Theory workout, you can expect heart rate monitors, TVs, and really fired up coaches who are focusing on what's called splat points, which is essentially time spent in a specific heart rate zone. The point being helping each individual person who attends that workout to be able to maximize their results. Orange Theory's growth has created some really amazing opportunities for Tracy, and she's gone over the last six years from a brief six-month stint as an Orange Theory coach, all the way up to today, where she currently oversees 10 different studios in the Charlotte area, including one in Rock Hill, which is in South Carolina. Tracy manages everything from social media content to the launch and promotion of each of those new locations. I have so much respect for Tracy as a marketing person and the knowledge that she has around fitness and wellness and understanding the space, but that's actually all an aside to why I've had her on the show today. There's so much more to Tracy's story than boutique fitness and what makes for engaging social media or hitting sales goals and promoting a brand. So in today's episode, we're going to move right past the resume, right past the business piece and into a really vulnerable place. So first, I want to applaud Tracy for some serious bravery and a whole lot of vulnerability on a pretty sensitive but seriously important topic that we are diving into today, which is body image. As you'll hear from Tracy herself, she spent most of her adulthood battling eating disorders, both anorexia and bulimia. So in preparing for this week's episode, Tracy and I agreed that it was really important to both of us to put a bit of a warning label on the conversation. On behalf of both the Fitness Fix team and Tracy, we want to know that this conversation might be a little bit triggering, whether you're somebody who's been personally affected by an eating disorder through your own battle or by watching a friend, a family member, a colleague, or just somebody that you care about go through it. So out of respect for your mental health, we really owe that disclaimer before you continue listening to this conversation. But at the same time, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that this is a really good opportunity to urge anybody. If you're struggling, if you need help, if you feel like body image is just consuming you and it's really affecting your self-esteem, we want to encourage you to seek help. There are a lot of incredible free resources available online, and I've linked a few of them down in today's show notes to make it super easy to access. But if you feel alone and even after that little bit of research might not have anybody to turn to, Tracy and I both want you to know 
that we're here for you and we're very much in your corner. Tracy has a beautiful Instagram account, which is called Through Hazel Eyes, and it's 100% dedicated to her ongoing recovery. As you'll hear from our conversation, she's found a true passion in helping other people understand what eating disorder recovery looks like and what life with anxiety and depression looks like for her. It's different for everybody, but I really respect the fact that she's found a voice in being able to talk about this and just honestly feels a genuine responsibility to share all of the tools that she's learned through years of therapy and rehab and continues to work on every single day. So if you're listening right now and you're unsure whether you can move past the introduction on behalf of both Tracy and myself, I'd ask you, just press pause for a sec, think about that decision, and if you don't feel comfortable to keep listening, don't. And if you really feel uncomfortable, we'd also ask that reach out to her or even reach out to me. I'd be happy to facilitate and open up that dialogue with somebody like her who can really relate even more than I'm able to. So with that, Tracy, thank you so much for your bravery in today's conversation and your openness and willingness to be a guiding light for many people through a difficult topic. Let's jump into the first question. As you guys know, I kick off every single one of my episodes with the who are you? Why should we care about you? And I think you guys are really going to like the direction that Tracy takes that one. Yeah, I mean, just being completely authentic. um, It's a question that kind of punches me in the stomach because I still don't really know who I am and being in therapy for many many years it's a question that I'm still asked and it's very I'm very hesitant in what I say because I don't want to sound conceited or cocky or anything but the very first word that comes to mind of who is Tracy it's someone who is resilient Someone who has love it. Agree. <laughs> someone who has a lot of courage, and I'm sure we'll get into that later in the podcast. Um, I am a hard worker. I love to be active. I love to have you know great friends. I come from a fantastic family. I am. This is good. Keep going. Keep going. Um, Gas yourself up. You're allowed. Gosh. Um, I'm a, I'm an athlete, collegiate athlete, basketball. Um, I feel like I'm kind of funny sometimes, you know? She is very you just funny. just gotta say it. She's very funny. So you told me a little bit about who you are, what you stand for, like how you could, I, I love that you picked like four or five, six words. Um, a lot of times people do this and they just like give me the typical like elevator pitch of like whatever. But I like that you were like concise in that in that regard. And I think um, we got to start with the word resiliency because obviously I know your story, but you're here to tell the people about it. So tell me why you consider yourself resilient. Let's start with you being a college athlete. I mean, I think like playing basketball, like you would have, I think some people might be like, you're female. We grew up in the age of social media. There's a lot of pressure. So I think people know where I'm going with this. This episode will be all about body image, body positivity, your struggle with that. But I think some people could also be surprised if you were a college athlete at the level that you were at, what happened in the time post playing basketball that you forgot necessarily that like being healthy and being active was about being healthy, not like fitting a certain image, fitting a certain look and like beating yourself up to set expectations that were way too high. Great question. And, uh, I think like, I think through therapy, um, it's 
kind of came down to external praise. Okay. And even in the form of like how you looked or even as being like a good basketball player? Uh, both. Okay. So life after basketball, you know, I was so used to having, you know, my name in the newspaper, people coming up to me after games, Tracy, awesome game. You played very well. Mm-hmm. Other coaches from the other teams. Where like, did you play? Uh, Guilford College nice. in Greensboro. Okay. And just the other coaches coming up to me, I'll never forget. One was just like, you were so hard to guard. And just I had other accolades, you know, to my name. And and in high school, and see, already right now I'm judging myself. And, like, I'm speaking way too much about myself. And I feel like I sound cocky, but I'm just being authentic. Um. So, yeah, so I think once college was over and I wasn't getting that because I was trying to fill a void inside myself that – you know, I feel like was missing. So I just filled it with external praise and, you know, the public or, you know, whoever was talking to me, they kind of determined my worth. And you want compliments. Everybody wants compliments, but that is what kept me going. Like, that's kind of what I was living off of. I wasn't living off my values. External validation for who you are. External, that's it right there. So, whenever I wasn't receiving that, I was completely lost. After college, I was just like, well, who am I now? What's my identity? I've always been, you know, Tracy, the athlete, the basketball player. Who am I? And I went through hell. Uh, My story is hell. And I think the fact that I am sitting here talking about it with you publicly, that just shows my resilience through the years I could have given up those days where I felt like I just didn't belong anywhere. I hate to hear that for you. It's back to that idea of like you getting external validation as to who you should be and that like driving you forward, like it made you remain competitive or whatever you want to call it. Cause I feel like if you're, everyone gets competitive and the expectations you put on yourself, you know, if, with body image out there and the type of, you know, female athletes that you see, oh, I need to be looking like that. And I think that's kind of where, unfortunately, society has gone in thinking, okay, well, she has a six pack. She has really toned arms. I can see so much muscle. I should look like that. And maybe in that moment I did, but I I live kind of behind, uh, I guess you could say, like a foggy glass mirror that I didn't see anything on myself. No, that's really that interesting. Yeah. And uh, do you think it's be- you're saying like foggy because like you had body dysmorphia, so you convinced yourself that like you look different than what you saw exactly. in the mirror? Exactly. Yeah. And that makes total sense. Yeah. And so, especially after my career ended and trying to figure out who I was, I'm like, well, I want people to still think I look athletic because. You know, I still want people to think I work out. I want to look like I work out still. Um, and I don't want to become invisible if I, you know, looked a certain way, if I don't look like an athlete anymore. And I mm-hmm. don't know why, again, something I've been working on, why am I basing my identity so much on being an athlete? 
if mm. I had a pie in front of me. That's really interesting. I want to talk about that more. Okay. Um, if I had a pie in front of me and it was all sliced up, we did this in one session. I'm making my body image and being an athlete basically almost half of the pie. And then little slices would be a daughter, a who who else am I? I'm a I'm a friend, I'm a sister, I'm an aunt, I'm um a hard worker, uh my values of family, like it I was putting all the important stuff of really who I am internally instead of external appearance in the on the back burner. And that's where I think a lot of body image started is because I didn't want to deal with all these other things that was making me feel so lost in who I was. I couldn't control all those emotions. So I put all my control on my appearance because you can change your appearance. And I had control over that. And so I think that's why I base my worth as sad as it sounds of how I look because that would determine, oh, okay, well, she looks good. I like her. Mm -hmm. And not saying, hey, Tracy, like you're an awesome person. Yeah, I get told that, but it's still, but what about my body? Do you think my body's good? And it's just that hamster wheel, and it sucks so bad again. We put so much emphasis on our body, but the thing is, we have got to realize we are more than a body, and I know everyone can tell us that, and it's just something that you really have to dig deep and really, truly believe, because it all starts internal, even though we put so much emphasis on the external, you got to dig deep and look internally and what's really going on. Why do you want to look a certain way? What are you trying to cover up? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, yeah. What are you trying to cover up? It's so much bigger than insecurity. It's like there's something else to it. Like there's like to say you're covering up insecurity. Yeah. But it's it's like more specific than that. Right. Exactly. So like you hit the nail on the head when you said you lost basketball, you lost that validation. If I had to guess, one of your love languages might be words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this then. Next question. Why did you care to still define yourself as an athlete? Oh man, Krista. I think because that's who I based myself as. That's who you see yourself as. That mirror, when it's not foggy, that's the imprint you want to leave on the world. So, like, let's dissect that a little bit. What is it about being an athlete that's so important to your identity? Right. It's not the act of, like, putting a basketball in your hand. It's the act of, like, what the association is with an athlete. The expectations I put on myself at a very, very young age was perfection. Same. And so it's just, like, I got to be perfect. So let me be the hardest worker in the room. And I don't, I feel like I'm, it was, that was just a really hard question. I'm trying to find the words. I think maybe just who I am, like how I was born. I was born to be like that type of athlete. My dad has been a cyclist for over 45 years. And my grandfather, he was a quarterback at Vanderbilt. Wow. Yeah. So did you feel like that was your way to bond with them? Um, more so with my dad. Um, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my grandfather, but 
Um, I think just growing up, seeing him coming in and out of rides, uh, growing up watching the Tour de France um, every summer, just always wanted to be active and be sweating. And again, that it did get into a dark place um, at points in my life of the sweat, the working out. Um, but, you know, that's just a deeper topic. But all right, so let's go there. Okay. Like, like oh. let's let's just you know peel back the onion layers. Yes, yeah. that was going to be the next question. Is like, all right, so you have this like athletic prowess that you want to maintain. I think the other point that you're not bringing out, and I'm hearing from you, it's twofold. One, it was a sense of control. Yep. And two, it was a sense of power. And as a yep. female, like you're always looking for ways to take back that power because not to be like all feminist, I actually don't know that I'd call myself like a true feminist because I think there's elements of feminism that are kind of sexist and that's like a whole aside. But um, just this idea that like we have like a proverbial chip on our shoulders because and again, I brought this up when I said that you played a male sport. Um, this like chip on our shoulders that like we have extra to prove and so like we have to work harder to maintain our power Mm. and you probably felt like you had to work even harder or maybe you didn't because it came so naturally and you were a good athlete and then all of a sudden the playing field got leveled because like it didn't matter about the basketball anymore Um, and you had to find a different way so like for you I guess my biggest question is like when did so obviously we haven't called it what it is yet but obviously Tracy had an eating disorder um and I want you to talk more about like how it started yeah so again peeling back the onion layer and I think this is why I get so stuck and hesitant on what I've been saying because yeah I've been trying to uh suppress I guess you could say but now I can come out and say, you know, yes, I've dealt with an eating disorder um, primarily from 18 to now. Um, I'm 33, and it started out with body dysmorphia 100%. Um, I thought if I got skinnier, I'd be liked more. Um, Again, I wanted to be skin and bones, yet I also wanted to be athletic. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of the ping pong match that I continuously have. Um, And with my therapist, she's just like, I just don't think that works like that. Like, I want to have toned arms, but also I want to be skin and bones. And so with the eating disorder, as, you know, it got worse. um, So then it kind of turned into... Um, anorexia, the smaller I got, I thought the better I would be, uh, the more attention I would get. Mm-hmm. And, and what I, actually I thrived happened? off that. So then I'm like, okay, how much smaller can I get then? Okay. And then I'll keep, keep getting the compliments. Were and, people validating you and telling you that you looked good? Um, yeah, sometimes. Like what were they saying? Like, do you remember a time when you got a compliment that you were just like, fucking finally, like, this is what I'm doing this for? <clears throat> yep. And it was, I think it was the summer of 2005. Wow. Look how specifically you remember that. Like, you put a lot of weight into that. And I'll come back to that because something else along with that. But um, I was just told, like, you are really skinny. Like, you do look good. And I was just like, there it is. That's the 
that's the validation I wanted, even though I was suffering in silence. And I think that is the biggest phrase for anyone who has not come out with their struggle is we suffer in silence because our eating disorder thrives off the secrecy. And that's like any disorder. If you're in a public eye, the way we both are, like I was suffering in silence through depression and anxiety because I didn't want anyone to know that this like strong chick who could deadlift 250 pounds, like had the mental state of like a fragile bird. Oh my gosh, exactly. And I think going back to that is the whole body image piece, again, was making us who we are. We are our appearance, and that's it. Nobody. Yeah, like you don't want anyone to see inside of your mind. Exactly. And, yes, I come off as very bubbly. I love, um, you know, being around people. I love, you know, talking. I love being motivational. Like, I just feel like I have a very outgoing personality. And I've been told I, you know, I seem very confident in who I am whenever I walk into a room. I seem fine. And I think that's a big misconception is you seem fine. You seem like you do not struggle at all. I love this. Yes. It's, you don't wear depression. No. You don't wear anxiety. It's interesting. So I want to ask you this. Who picked up on your issues? Like, was it a personal person, like a personal close friend, relationship, family member, whatever? Or was it like someone who sort of kind of knew you? Maybe they hadn't seen you in like 10 years or that kind of shit. Yeah, I specifically remember kind of during that that summer with, I, I lost 20 pounds within a few months. Um, Whoa. For context, like from a nutrition coach standpoint, um, to be able to do that, like safely, I usually have my clients lose maybe a pound a week. So to lose 20 pounds in a matter of months is really, really serious. It would really, that should take at least six months minimum. Yeah. So that's how powerful an eating disorder is. And I think Fran started to realize I wasn't eating a lot whenever we would go out. Um, I was working out for hours in a sweatshirt. Um, I couldn't leave until it was drenched and I just wanted to feel numb. And it's, it was like, I was proud of myself for only eating three apples a day. And that is kind of what started it all. And it turned into a couple years later. Um, it turned into bulimia because I was starving myself for so many years. And whenever I started to eat more, I was like, wow, food is really good. I basically didn't eat for a year. And I think as soon as I started feeling that fullness again, it scared me half to death. Because you were afraid that that fullness was going to cause like an extra five pounds. Yeah, exactly. Overnight. Because I didn't trust my body and it knowing how to digest it, mm-hmm. it was going to go straight to fat. Yeah. So who, so like to get back to what I was saying, it's like, so who, like, who oh, was yeah. the person that kind of just like ripped that bandaid and was like, you have a fucking problem. Um, I remember one time in college, my roommate kind of called me out and was just like, hey, I noticed you go to the bathroom a lot. So how did you, okay. So you, you talked about college how did you pull this off while you were playing basketball? How did you not like break a bone? How did you hide that from coaches, teammates, et cetera? 
you are really good at having an eating disorder. I was really good at having one. And that sounds so weird. Yeah. But I I knew how to do it so secretly that I would not get caught. And it's sad to say, and, you know, if my teammates, coach, even high school, college, hear this because I haven't really shared a lot about this is I would – you know, it's sorry. It's kind of hard to say, but you know, I threw up. Take um, your time. Before practice, I'd go off the adrenaline of feeling empty. I would go work my ass off because of so much adrenaline of the secrecy was still happening. Before games, I would with our pregame meal. I would get rid of it and go have a twenty point game because of the, again, adrenaline you feel after that release, that instant gratification is what you live off on. And multiple times seeing so, seeing a lot of doctors and therapists, psychiatrists, which I still do today, they tell me all the time, I don't see how you did not pass out. You did not break a bone. You had a good career. It just does not make sense and how much you are throwing up and putting that pressure on your heart that strain you kept doing and also you know through it wasn't just in college you know I've dealt with bulimia you know up until now um but hearing at 25 the next time I throw up I could have a heart attack telling that to a 25 year old but you know what? That didn't scare me. That didn't stop me. Why not? Because you still feel like you are stronger than the eating disorder and that, uh, but that's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen. So I kept doing it until my therapist and I finally told my parents because honestly, I don't think one specific person kind of found out and called me out about it with the question that you asked because I kept it in secrecy so well. Um my therapist was just like, okay, you're not recognizing the severity of the disorder you have. You're going to treatment. And so about five years ago, I was sent to Denver, Colorado for eating disorder treatment, spent the summer there, came back and you kind of start living your life using the tools that you learned there. And I think one thing that frustrates me so bad is people think if you go to treatment, oh, you're cured. It's a light switch. Fuck that. No, it's not. And you deal with it every single day of your life. And you have the choice whether to act on your behaviors or not whenever you do get depressed or anxious or not like what you see or what you hear. And it it kept going. You know, it was about five years. And then, unfortunately, I dealt with a relapse uh, around holiday season 2018 spent about seven to eight months in uh, a local treatment center here last year. Um, It's called IOP. So it's kind of partial treatment that it was Monday through Friday, eight to two, uh, got meals in and continued to work on the internal stuff. And then um, I'd in the span of two months earlier last year, I had to get my blood drawn 12 times just to, consistently watch my numbers and they got very very low with iron and 
the hearing again a doctor tell me over the phone if it got lower it'd be a possible blood transfusion again that didn't scare me because the eating disorder wants to win they're just like yes we're winning let's see how far we can get it's almost like my therapist said and as morbid as it sounds and it's so sad i'm willing you're willing to you're willing to die to be skinny I guess I think that's how she said it. And the smaller that's you get really powerful, the smaller you get, it's not you getting skinny and losing weight. That's the eating disorder trying to kill you. And am I, I think that is honestly, you know, the ultimate goal is screaming in your mind so much. You don't belong because you don't look a certain way. Then, you know, what's your purpose? And, I can't believe I'm saying all of this out loud. Um, and that's another thing too with resilience and courage is that I am saying this out loud and I'm not saying I'm recovered. I still deal with it today, but I'm uh, continuously see therapists, a psychiatrist and my team of um, doctors um, checking labs constantly dealing with, you know, still bad body image. And I'm not here to say, you know, I love my body and, you know, I, I love myself because Does anyone actually love it, their body. Exactly. Like it's I'm here and I tell my story. I'm very open with it now. It took me, I mean, hell, what's 33 minus 18, however many years of suffering and silence and dealing with this demon by myself. Um, I'm now telling my story and the shame isn't really there anymore. It's still there, but obviously it's not as strong as it was, or I wouldn't be able to talk about it and not cry. They said that you are in a good spot in recovery if you can tell your story and not cry. What did you want to portray to people? Was it that you wanted to have control, that you wanted them to think you were pretty? Like, what what was your goal of having the eating disorder? And that's kind of a weird question, but, like, what was your goal? Like, what what... Okay, you got skinny, but like, what did you plan to accomplish with that? In all honesty, that is what I continue to work on. I don't think there is just one answer of what was the goal. Um, I think to be pretty, definitely. um, I never think I'll be pretty enough. Um. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's just some really, really deep stuff that me and my team are still working on of the why. The why did you turn to those behaviors and what was the deeper root? My, I like to use the example of if you hear a friend say, God, I want to lose weight or, oh, I feel so ugly What's the why behind that? Why do you want to lose weight? And I think that's a big thing you need to listen for. And, okay, well, maybe sit them down and be like, well, what's really going on? And kind of back to the question, I think it is the control and proven to myself 
that I can have an eating disorder and also wear a mask every single day. Almost like it's like a talent. It's a talent. To be two people. To be two people. Yeah. And then I wouldn't have to deal with all that shit and I just wait until I'm alone to self-sabotage because I don't want anybody to see that yeah. side of me. Like when you meet friends, like you've actually never told me that you had a eating disorder. I just knew you did because you're open about it on your social media. So is that how you handle it? Like, do you just assume that um, people know it about you? I think because um, how much self-awareness I have learned about myself and how many tools I have learned going through treatment and being so open with it. I feel like I would be doing a disservice if I wouldn't share that to the world with other people who struggle. Because you know you can help them. Because that is one of my, it has become a passion. Mental illness awareness and eating disorder awareness. I could never, ever say years ago that is going to turn into my passion. Mm -hmm. But it is now because it feels so good to just get that secret out and I just feel so much relief that I don't have to hide it anymore and that I am vocal about it because I do want to relate and validate so many people out there um, that I hear you, I validate you, I see you and I want to hopefully be a part of your voice that you want to share that you don't feel comfortable in sharing. I want to be that bigger voice and I'm not saying I'm not making my eating disorder my identity and I don't want to be Tracy. Oh, right. she has That's an so eating true. disorder, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um but again, that is what I do put out there and I actually made my own Instagram account. It's called Through Hazel Eyes and I kind of wanted to start another platform because again, on my personal page, I don't want to just fill it with all this like mental health and eating disorder stuff and then get lost in who I am and how people would perceive me on my social media pages. Okay, is she anybody else but someone who deals with an eating disorder? We get it, Tracy. We get it. You have one. Um, And I'm so many other things. And that's another cool thing that I am realizing. I'm a lot of other things than an eating disorder. Um, Again, going back to resilience and courage, I'm someone who pushed past the fear of judgment and what type of uh, comments I would receive back once I finally said, hey guys, do y'all want to know the real Tracy? This is who I am and this is what I've struggled with. And I was so scared, but again, it felt so much relief getting it off my chest. And honestly, and I'm not even saying this to go back to living off the external praise, the amount of support and messages and everything that I received after releasing my secret, it is something I never, ever would have thought that would come my way strangers opening up to me mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that because I've had people I had uh, former clients who I had no idea were dealing with divorce at the time that I trained them and they were just like you got me through a difficult time and I want to pay that forward and I hope you know that if you need anything I'm here or clients who told me that I didn't know them in their basically past life so they were married to someone else they're not public about it they didn't have social media 
so they didn't go through it the same way that I did, et cetera. Have you had an experience like that? And what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, someone, I get, well, going back to not just strangers, I mean, even friends who I haven't heard from in years yeah. reaching out and, you know, either telling me their story or just the fact, I am so sorry, um, you know, that that is what you have yeah. dealt with, that that is how you feel about yourself. Because I would see you in high school, in middle school, like walk in the halls. And I just, I thought you were perfect. And I was just like, okay, wow. That's, I mean, I'm, that's really cool. You thought that of me. Um, but just the fact she was just really like, genuinely, I am so sorry. And other, other instances yes um somebody actually told me that the fact how open I am and I don't talk about uh suicide really that because I am being so open and the I'm still working on a lot more posts and wanting to be more aware but just the fact that she said um hearing what you're saying i'm seeing your posts and it's really helping my suicidal thoughts yeah and, and i was I have, like if I, I can have chills all of the support and the openness that people are willing to share with me i just you know if any are listening to this i just want them to know that they help me stay in recovery uh that i do want to be a big advocate for the awareness and understanding just just being a lot being more of an educational piece and yeah this this is why we act on behaviors because xyz eating disorders are not just about food and i think that's a misconception as well eating disorders isn't just about getting it's about control and anxiety and when you get down to the heart of it that's why i asked you the question of like what were you trying to accomplish because it has nothing to do with being skinny you can do it with other things so like for me i was trying to do it with like i just figured i had to hide because i felt like the person i wanted to be on social media wasn't ready to be the person I actually am in real life. And so like I use my social media platform now in terms of what you're saying about an education tool to actually be honest and like filter through the bullshit, filter through all of that noise, et cetera. Exactly. Um, So yeah, so that's why I'm just like, I want to be Tracy on social media. And again, I know we keep talking about social media because that's just in the world we live in right now. And I just want to be me and I have so many other things that I want to do I just got to push past the judgment of well others judge me thinking Tracy who the who the hell do you think you are about doing that or that or that um I obviously love working out um that's a you know side of me I love my family that's my number one value that's another side of me fashion I am obsessed with fashion I don't think a lot of people know that I didn't because I always only ever saw you in like your gym clothes and then the in your gym clothes and then the couple of times that I've hung out with you outside of work or just like even right now like you have a really cool graphic (laughs) tee on and like some sweet Nikes with like jogger pants and you look great I was in the fashion industry for about two and a half years and again not a lot of people know that and if y'all saw my closet oh my god I keep buying stuff and I'm like girl I'm the same way and I'm like I already have 15 tie-dye sweatshirts and t-shirts but I need more yeah so I'm I'm wearing one as we speak (laughs) maybe we should start an Instagram page where we sell our clothes oh my god so I want to do something with fashion which i'm 
ah, I just got to do it. So, um, yeah, and I just hate that I have been told. I don't know, Tracy, you just should watch what you really put up. I was just like, you're telling me I need to watch who I am. Yeah. Say it that way. It's like, you know, when you say like you don't have time for something and then people say like swap it out with the words of like, why don't you try saying it's not a priority? It's the same thing. It's like, oh, you should watch what you're doing. How about you say to someone, oh, you should watch how it is to be you. Mm, Gosh. Like what? That's so silly. That's just silly. There's no other word for it. Yeah. Yeah. So food for thought. Mm. Um. Tracy, this has been so awesome. It's oh been gosh. such a good time. Like, seriously, we said we were going to talk for 45 minutes, and here we are almost two hours later. But I know you have to go, and so do I. So we have to be respectful of each other's time. Yeah. Um, but at the end of all of my podcasts, I do a quick lightning round, and I actually am going to include one because I got so excited to get into the details of this. I didn't ask you what your favorite coffee order is, and that's a pillar of my show. So lightning round, we're going to start with that one. Um so you ready? A little yep. Russian roulette. What is your go-to coffee order? Just a light roast and I'll put a little cream into Splenda. Do you have a favorite cream? Like a flavor or is it just like straight up cream? Just cream or French vanilla. Cool. Okay. Um, Favorite sports team? Oh, uh, UNC Tar Heels, baby. Are you a college sports fan versus professional NFL, all that world? Um, I'm probably more of a college uh fan football and basketball but i do enjoy nfl okay cool favorite coffee shop in charlotte to work oh shit um i love eight and sand and sunflower so good great menus too like let's bring it back to food yeesh they have such good food and great coffee too can't skip the coffee And let's see, last but not least, what is your shameless plug? Where can we find you? Where can we interact with you? You mentioned your account through Hazel Eyes. What else do you got? What's the best way to reach you? If there's anyone who listened to this and they're just like, damn, I need some Tracy in my life. Yeah, well, obviously everyone's going to be saying that. Yeah. Yeah, so Instagram, probably. My personal is at T Croner, C-R-O-N-E-R. Um, Obviously at through hazel eyes underscore uh, through hazel eyes, but the through is T H R U. Um, if you're in Charlotte, you can probably find me at any one of our Orange Theory Fitness Studios. I'll be working in the lobby. I'm the girl uh, behind the laptop. Um, <laughs> and honestly, Eight and Sand Sunflower find me in coffee shops. So I love bouncing around Charlotte. So and you'll find me in boutiques. Yeah, honestly. Oh my God. Go shop with Tracy. We're Seriously? soon going to have a oh Tracy's closet. And by the way, she spells Tracy EY, just in case anyone got was that wondering. E-Y? Yeah, we got that. We both have cool spellings for our names. Yeah. So, you know, we have that in common. But again, thank you so much. I will put all of Tracy's contact info in the show notes too. So if y'all want to hit her up, you are more than welcome to. And stay tuned because we got some big plans and some big visions for this girl soon. So I hope that when you listen to this podcast a year from now, you are going to be in a very different place mentally, physically, spiritually, professionally, emotionally, all the things. Um, and it's going to be pretty cool to now have this recorded and kind of look back and see God, what yeah. can happen. Because I think if anything, 2020 has proved to us all that a whole lot of shit can happen in a year, yeah. good and bad. And it's how you uh, 
react to it. hundred percent, hundred percent. So Tracy, again, thank you for your time. This has been an awesome episode. I can't wait to launch it. Can't wait for other people to just soak up all your goodness. So this has been another amazing little session for the fix. Yes. So if you guys loved what you heard today, please go ahead and like it, share it, tell your friends, tell everyone you know, shout it from the rooftops, all the good things. And we will catch you guys later. Have an awesome day.